0: Things to go are often the sentimental things. The things that once meant something to me, the things that once were of value to me, the things that once were useful. And all that I'm asking for a congregation as a church is as we follow the cloud, as we follow the wind, as we follow where God is leading us, leading us, can you please be prepared to leave behind the non-essentials? Because what God is actually doing is He's bringing you to a place of complete and total reliance on Him. Not some system or some structure, not protocol, but presence. And as God moves in our meetings and in our our lives, would we be prepared to follow the cloud, to leave behind what once was important, to leave behind what once worked, to leave behind what is sentimental in order to hold what is supernatural? Can we do that? Get ready for change. If you're not ready, ready your heart. Because God wants to move you forward into more of what he has for you. God wants to move you forward in your own personal capacity. Because there's a calling of God on your life. And we're so busy trying to gather everything that once was important, but we're missing the only thing that truly matters, the presence of God. And there is a people waiting for you to step into the calling and purpose of your for your life. There are people out there waiting, waiting for Michaela to step into her calling so she can bring them home, waiting for Tian and Volry to step up into all that God has for you, but we're so busy, oh, I, I want to bring this, I want to bring that, I don't like change, I like this, and there are people desperate and dying, waiting for us to fulfill the calling of God in our lives, and be the sons and daughters that God has called us to be, so count the cost. And the cost is not what you're leaving behind. The cost is day by day that you hold on to that, you get further from the cloud. That's the cost. Sometimes we count the cost, oh, I can't do this anymore, I can't do that anymore. No, that's not the cost. The cost is while you're still ne- negotiating these things, the cloud's moving. Can we be a people that nothing else matters but the presence of God? And we rock up here on a Sunday, we don't know what's going to happen, but we're hungry, we're thirsty, we're desperate. And I want to talk to you this morning about something the Holy Spirit laid on my heart last night. For those of you that weren't there on Wednesday, we had a combined calm. It was a beautiful time together. We just actually shared some of the things we felt the Holy Spirit was speaking to us about. We spoke about us being a people that are governed by the wind, that don't look and go, okay, what does the program say? But go like this and go, where's the wind blowing? that actually take our plans like that. And you know how you'd throw grass in the air to see which direction the wind's blowing. Take your plans, your systems, and your structures, and what you think you know, and go, let's see what the wind does. Let's be those people. And so we spoke about following the wind. We spoke about being a people that are devoted. We spoke about building a culture of prayer, not just before a service or when someone's dying, but knowing that it's communion with God. That we're coming into one with God. There's this beautiful part in in Psalms where David is writing. He's surrounded by his enemies. And he says, I've given myself to prayer. But the actual Hebrew translation means I have become prayer. David says, I've prayed so much. I've been in such communion with God that my life has become a prayer. Can we be a people that pray? We spoke about developing a worship culture. I touched on some sensitive parts. And I said, if we look at David worship, he danced naked before the Lord. I'm not asking anyone to do that. If you feel really led, there's a parking lot outside. We'll close the doors There's some fields <laughs> go wild. But David, his own wife looked at him and despised him and mocked him because of how wild he was before the Lord. My wife does the same when I sing. That's more of a reflection of my voice than anything else. And we go, well, that's the Old Testament. That's David. That's, he was uncivilized. And listen, but then we see John, the beloved disciple, very similar to me. I'm also the beloved one, the one that Jesus loves, the elder that Jesus loves. <laughs> when we see John then. John goes to heaven. And what does he see? Oh, man. He sees elders falling on their faces, taking their crowns, taking their achievements, taking their titles, taking everything they think is important and throwing it at the feet of Jesus and saying nothing else matters, nothing is important but Him. And for eternity, they throw their dignity at the feet of Jesus. So if you can't for a Sunday morning throw your dignity at Jesus, you don't know who Jesus is. And if you're more concerned about, this is who I am, Worship isn't about who you are, it's about who he is. If worship is about who you are and where you are, it'll forever change. You actually become the idol because you're worshiping your own condition. You're worshiping your own situation. Worship is not a response as to where Luke is. And I remember I was in a church one day and God said, why do you worship me? And I said, oh, because I am useless and I am broken and I need you. He says, no, because what happens when you're feeling strong and whole? Worship actually is not about me. It's in response to seeing something that my mind can't compute, that my mind can't comprehend. And I have no other response and reaction but God. It's all about you. So maybe if this is worship, maybe we need to see Jesus in a fresh way. We spoke about building a prophetic culture. What I love this morning, I had prophetic words coming through. Malcolm comes up to me right at the beginning and says, I just sense God is wanting to say taste and see. All of a sudden, Mike doesn't know that. Mike taps into that. And we have all these prophetic words of the nearness of God. Um, uh, Madva comes up to me and has all these, the names of God. John who comes up to me, has another thing about seeing God and knowing who God is and not who ourselves. Then Divan comes up to me, the prodigal son. It's all about knowing the Father and through knowing him and his nature, having the courage and the boldness to come closer. He's not a distant, angry God. He's a loving Father that's pursuing you, that wants you, that has brought you here to this moment. And we're having these prophetic words and God's beginning to speak. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here and we're building a prophetic culture. We want to to build a culture of fellowship, and Jono shared on that so beautifully on Wednesday night. Fellowship isn't just getting together and having coffee. Fellowship is me seeing you, Lisa, and you and your walk with God being more important than my walk with God to me. Paul writes this as the most beautiful thing. Paul says, and I'm paraphrasing, so all theologians in the house do not judge me. Paul writes and he says, I would be accursed and cut off from Christ if it meant that you could get to heaven. Think about that. Paul says, I would go to hell so you can go to heaven. Oh, man. I think then you're starting to scratch on what fellowship looks like. Where you and your walk with God is more important than mine and me. It's the most incredible thing. I'll walk away from Jesus if it means you can have him forever. I'm not there. Absolutely not. I want to be there. It's just, it's just far. It seems far in my own mind, but I, that's the heart where my heart is. Worrying the calling of God in your life is more important to me than the calling of God in my life. That my purpose becomes you stepping into your purpose, and that I promise you that is my heart. So one of the things I wanted to discuss this morning was an incredibly well-known passage of scripture. Can we can we put it up, my lovely assistant? And the first, Acts 2, verse 43. Mother loveliest, I've got so many wonderful assistants. And I just want to read a bit through this. It says, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, next verse. Before we, cont- I know we've heard this a hundred times, but I got a revelation last night that I haven't heard. While, tr- while preparing for this. And I want us to just go on a little bit of a journey, five, ten minutes or so, and I think we could stumble into something that is really beautiful. Consider now what God has been saying to us throughout the whole meeting, Him revealing Himself to us, us coming nearer. I had no idea that that is what God was going to say this morning. And it goes on to say, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, and they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily. Here we begin to see what the New Testament church looks like. We begin to see what it looks like when the Holy Spirit pours Himself out into a group of people. We begin to see what we are called and created to be, and where God is wanting to restore us and redeem us into. Religion has come and robbed us of this absolute radical lifestyle it's brought in structure and systems where God has wanted presence and outpouring it has brought in you know these these man made systems and God wants to come in like a mighty flood so yeah we begin to see a picture of what the New Testament looks like this should be what our heart burns for to see people having all things in common sharing to see the Holy Spirit moving in signs and wonders, to see people being added daily, who would like to see that yeah, really who would Whose heart genuinely burns for revival and to see God move in a way that changes and transforms not only Mullerton, but the country and beyond. Imagine if we we're able to become a place where people are set on fire and then sent as a gift out into the world. That's the desire. This is the church. This is the church that Paul writes about and says, this is the dwelling place of God. When we you're a living stone, I'm a living stone, Jaden's a living stone. We all come together as living stones being built together and become the dwelling place and the house of God. This is a church, the body of Jesus. This is the bride that he's returning for, the bride that he laid himself down for. This is the one thing Jesus values almost above every other thing is this church. But without the Spirit of God being poured in us and moving through us, we are a gathering on a Sunday morning talking about good ideas. The Holy Spirit is what makes us the church, not us. Otherwise, we're a group of people with nothing better to do on a Sunday morning. And if that's the case, I guarantee you, I can find better things to do on a Sunday morning. I am here because the life of God is here. I am here because the Holy Spirit is here. And I want more of that for me, and I want more of that for you. This is what the church is. So how do we become this church that, that lives and moves and has its being in Him? That everything we do is centered around it in one thing and one thing only. And that's what I want to talk about today. In the build up to this particular scripture, so this is what the New Testament church should look like. This is what we are aspiring to be and following the cloud to be. And so, in the build up to this scripture, we see one or two significant things that happen. God is a God of process, God is not a God of chaos. However, our understanding of chaos is different to His. Read Revelation. Creatures are like four wings and eyes flying all over the place. We would look at that and go, that's chaos. No, he says that's order. Do you know why? What makes it order is it's all centered around one thing. That's what gives it order, not structure. What, it is chaos when you take God out of it. When you bring God into the center of it, even what appears to be chaos is divinely ordered. So if we keep God in the middle here, it doesn't matter what a Sunday looks like. If God is centered, there is order and process in what God is doing. So the next scripture is Acts 2, verse 1 to 4. And we all know that it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Picture this for a second. Imagine we're sitting here, and... The wind begins to blow and we begin to feel something on our skin and hear something in our ears because the reality is God wants to engage your senses. God wants you to taste and see that he is good. He wants you to hear him. He wants you to feel him and know him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given you the senses. He wants you to experience him in a way. So imagine sitting in this room and you hear this wind beginning to swirl. You get goosebumps on your flesh and you don't know what is going on. All the windows, all the doors are closed, but somehow there's a wind that's moving. And it says, divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all full of the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What we see here, the first thing we see in the build up to this New Testament church, we see the Holy Spirit. We see Pentecost. We see the Holy Spirit being poured out on a group of people. That we would look at and go unqualified, that we would look at and go undignified, that we would look at hiding away because of persecution in in this room, trying to find God, and there was fear, and there was worry and concern in their hearts. We would look at and probably go, weak, no faith. But you know what God sees? Hunger. Thirst desperation, he sees a group of people where it's actually not about their fear. It's not about what they're going through. It's about coming to the one person who can solve all their problems. Coming to the one person that they will walk through hell to get to. And yet we find them in a, in a living hell where their Savior is gone. They don't know where Jesus is, what's going on. And all of a sudden, this wind begins to blow. So the first thing we see in the build up to this New Testament church full of signs and wonders is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The second thing we see is Acts 2, verse 37 to 38. No. Acts 2, verse 37 to 38. I'll read it to you. You can take that one down. Okay. Verse 37 to 38, and it says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what 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 they're seeing now, people are witnessing this. They're watching this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they're saying, what is this? And Peter comes and says, repent and be baptized. And you will receive the same gift that we currently have. They're looking at these, these tongues of fire. They're seeing people preaching in tongues. They're seeing this wind blowing and the move of the Spirit. And like us, they're witnessing this thing. And Peter says, if you want this, Repent and be baptized and you shall have the same thing. So we see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We see hearts moved to repentance and being saved by God. And the third thing we see is Acts 2.42. I'll carry on from here. Once we see a people being filled by the Holy Spirit, once we see a people... Coming into repentance and saying, whatever that is I wanted, it doesn't matter what it takes. And we see repentance saying, God, not me, but you. We begin to see out of the Holy Spirit and repentance, a devoted people being birthed. A people coming into contact and witnessing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We see a people coming and who are witnessing this and coming into repentance and saying, God, whatever that is, I want it. And out of this repentance and the Holy Spirit, we see a devoted people being birthed out of this. Devotion is not something you put on. It is something that is birthed out of you as the Holy Spirit comes upon you and in you. And as your heart turns and says, God, all of you and nothing else. They repented and were forgiven they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they devoted themselves. The original Greek word for the Holy for, for, for devotion is proskaterio. I'm not Greek. My father-in-law is. He reminds me often. He reminds me how Greek he is often. Is that he pronounced it proskaterio? I'm good. Proskaterio. The word proskiterio means to be dedicated, to be committed. Think about this. When they said they were devoted, this is what it means. To be dedicated, to be committed, to be persistent, to be focused, to be steadfast, to remain constant, not just a one off devotion, to remain in the place of consistency and constantly, to be unrelenting. So not a pushover, not giving up, not when someone says something to you that hurts your feelings, then you check out but being unrelenting to persevere and not faint but it goes even further so we've got this dedicated committed unrelenting pushing through not giving up fighting for all with all that i have everything that it takes and it says to be in constant readiness <laughs> postured like a sprinter about to come out the blocks constant readiness to be constantly waiting So the word devotion means I'm constantly ready. I'm constantly waiting. I'm I'm doing everything I can, but my heart is postured in such a way that I'm devoted. As the the gun goes off, as the whistle blows, I'm ready to run for God in ways I've never run before. I'm ready to move in ways I've never moved before. It's this constant, ongoing process of me following the cloud, and wherever it goes, I'm leaning in and I'm following. I'm not counting the cost. I'm seeing the great reward. To be devoted means to constantly and totally never fainting, always persevering ready and waiting for the thing that God is doing and we're not waiting for some imminent return of Jesus that's coming this readiness and waiting is what are you doing here now today what are you saying here now today I'm ready, I'm devoted I'm committed, I'm all in so my question is are we devoted Are we fully committed? Are we unrelenting? Are we persevering and not fainting? Are we ready and waiting for the thing that God is doing? Not soon, today. When Mike starts to strum that guitar, are we like people in the race blocks, ready to go? When that guitar goes, I'm not taking half an hour to get my seat. When that guitar goes, I'm up front here because I'm ready. I'm postured in a way that when that whistle blows, I'm going to be first across that line. So yeah, we see a group of men just like us, women and men. We see signs and wonders and great miracles. We see the church exploding across the world. We see numbers being added to it daily. We see men and women changing the course of history. Men and women more unqualified than us. Men and women, poorer, rejected, persecuted. We would have walked in that room and in many regards in the carnal would have been the cream of the crop in that room. But here they are, presciterio, ready and waiting, desperate and fully committed. Whatever they have, they bring it worth. And we see men and women changing the course of history in this one room changing the course of history, changing the world, men and women just like you and me, full of the Holy Spirit and fully devoted. proscritario, fully devoted, fully committed, constantly ready and waiting. Is that our posture or is it about me? My offenses, my issues, my fears, my hurts, me. Could we posture our hearts in such a way where change isn't scary, change is necessary. Could we posture our hearts in such a way where where it, whatever it takes? I brought Eddie and Christine back from the airport and we we're just talking. And I said, if Andrew phoned me tomorrow and said, Timbuktu, I'm there. I'm not asking, I'm not counting the cost, I'm there. Because I'm fully committed. I'm proskiterio, everything for the kingdom of God. So what I could do this morning is we could sit and go through a list of what devotion looks like in the practical. I could say to you, devotion looks like not missing church because the weather's good or because it's a long weekend. It's interesting sometimes on a long weekend you see, either the really poor or the really committed, but those are the only people that are here. the ones that can't afford to go away. The ones that are walk, the ones that are working, or the ones that are really in this to win it. <laughs> you do. I'm sorry. You do. So I could sit and say devotion looks like. The, to prioritizing and not neglecting the gathering of the saints, coming to church to worship God, to hear His word, because you weren't created to be an island. You weren't created to worship God on your own. You're part of a body, and if if, if you're not chair, then I'm, I don't have a foot. And if you're not there, I don't have a hand. Part of our body is missing. So I could say being devoted means come to church. Don't miss come. Being fully involved and invested, worshiping wildly and passionately, and not the... This is just who I am. No, it's not about you. It's about a God where elders are falling on their faces. I could mention these things about being fully devoted. I could say giving of yourselves in every way, not only to Jesus, but to his bride. If Jesus came to lay his life down for his bride, why can't you lay your pride down and your sense of needing to feel free and not structured or controlled down? He came to lay his life down, not for random citizens, but for a bride that would one day become the vehicle in establishing his kingdom on earth. That's why we're here. Not to have a good meeting, but to disciple each other, to love each other, to become the vehicle through which the kingdom of God is established here on earth. These are all amazing things to be devoted to, a great life to live. They're great things. But this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me about last night. The truth is, all of these things are just fruit. Being committed to God and His bride, being fully devoted, it's a fruit. Devotion is a fruit of an underlying root. So we can put on devotion or we can grow a root that causes devotion to spring forth out of us like fruit. Can I go to Acts 2 verse 22? We have luck. It says, men of Israel hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves, know. just press pause there, as you yourselves know. So what is happening is, Jesus has been crucified, Pentecost has come, now people are saying, what is going on? All of these guys are speaking in different languages, there's a manifestation, there's signs and wonders, and now Peter is explaining to them what has happened, and it says, God did through him, sorry, God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. Next one, please. This Jesus, this Jesus, delivered up according to the def- uh, the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. A few verses later, I'm going to... Hang with me for a second. A few verses later, it goes on to say, yes, this Jesus again, this Jesus God raised up, and all, and, and of that you are all witnesses. So yes, Peter's saying, the Holy Spirit has come. And everyone's looking and saying, what is this about? And he says, this Jesus. They're seeing signs and wonders. They're seeing devotion. They're seeing repentance. They're seeing the Holy Spirit being poured out. And what does Peter say? It's all about this Jesus who you witnessed, who you saw, who you were aware of. Another translation puts it this way. Can't you see Peter's saying to all of those witnessing Pentecost, witnessing these signs and wonders, Peter looks and says, can't you see it? God has resurrected Jesus, and we have all seen him. We see people repenting. We see people being baptized and full of the Holy Spirit. We see devotion. But what did they see that led them to this life? They saw Jesus. So we're looking at the fruit of Being filled with the Holy Spirit, of repentance, of baptised, being baptized, of of being devoted. We're looking at those and going, how do we get there? And we're seeing that, and they're looking at us and saying, we saw Jesus, this Jesus, resurrected by God, who we've all seen and witnessed. True devotion is the fruit of the root of revelation. It was the revelation of Jesus that led them to repentance. It was the revelation of Jesus that led them to being filled by the Holy Spirit. It was the revelation of Jesus that led them to being devoted. When they saw Jesus for who He truly was, there was no other response than to repent, to be filled of the Holy Spirit, and to become devoted. Devotion wasn't something they conjured up in themselves. It says that they were witnessing these signs and wonders, witnessing this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they asked Peter, what is this? And Peter says, this is Jesus. True devotion is the fruit of a root of revelation. When Jesus, who he truly was, became a revelation to them, They had no other response but devotion. Devotion without revelation is obligation. Obligation can get the job done, but devotion is not even about what is being done. Devotion is about the one I'm doing it for. And many of us have lived in the place of devotion without revelation, and then we manufacture and produce obligation, and we become duty-bound. And it is good, but it is not of God. We become very faithful, but not filled with faith. And in order for us to become a people full of devotion, we need a fresh revelation. And as the Holy Spirit was speaking to us this morning, talking to us about coming nearer, knowing God, seeing Him, what He's saying to you is, I want to give you a revelation so that you can respond with devotion. I want to show you parts of me you've never seen before so that you can see the New Testament church being birthed in you and through you. The scripture says, can't you see it? That's what Peter says to them. Can't you see it? Can't you see Jesus and his his infinite beauty, his infinite worth? It's not about you. Can't you see his love, his goodness, and his faithfulness to you? Can't you see his heart for his bride? He laid his life down, and Peter's saying, isn't it obvious why this is happening? Isn't it obvious why there's revival? Isn't it obvious why there's devotion? Because we've had a revelation of who Jesus truly is. And that's what we lack. Devotion has become obligation because we've moved away from the place of revelation. We've moved away from the place of knowing you more and more and more. We've set up camp and the cloud has moved, but we're counting the cost and we don't want to change. And he's saying, if you're prepared to let go of those simple things, I will give you supernatural things. If you're prepared to to walk away from some of these things that that are holding you back, I will bring you into more. I will bring you into the fullness of what I have for you. I will give you a revelation of who I am and your response will be devotion. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread. It says that awe and wonder came upon them, signs and wonders. All who believed were together, day by day attending the temple together, breaking bread, praising God and having favor with all people, favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved, all of this, this is the New Testament church. This is who Joshua generation longs to be, wants to be as we follow the cloud. This is who our desire is to become this here on the earth now. These signs and wonders, this devotion, all of this was because of the revelation of Jesus. And Paul is saying the same thing to us today. We come into worship. We come into hear the word. We come, we want signs and wonders. We want to see God move. But he's saying, can't you see? It's not about these things. It's not about devotion. It's not about any of these. It's about the one thing. And because you've given yourself to a revelation of Jesus, to see him in a new way, all of this fruit comes. All of this happens because we've become a people, prioritizing one thing and one thing only, his presence. We've become a people Going after one thing and one thing only, revelation. And from that, he will birth a people of devotion. Jesus is the revelation that leads to devotion. I could stand up here all day and say, come to church, come to this, come to that, do it. it." And you know what you would because you are honoring, because you are faithful, because you are good, because you desire to do what is right in God's eyes. But there will be an element of obligation. There will be an element of doing it it because it's the right thing to do. If you give yourself to a greater revelation of Jesus in worship, in word, in fellowship together, you will find yourselves entering into a greater realm of devotion where it's not out of obligation but out of desperation. I want that thing more than anything else. If you want to see the church of Acts, if you want to see signs and wonders, if you want to see revival, then do what they did. They saw Jesus. We're on the outside looking into this church. Yeah, are Acts. And we're seeing all of these things. And what do they say? Peter looks and says, isn't it obvious? The one thing we're looking at is him. Sitting in my home last night, I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, Luke, would you share in devotion? But I don't want people coming as slaves. Faithful, yes. Committed, yes. But doing the work of another man. I want them to come as sons and daughters into my home to co labor with me because the reward is theirs too. I want to reveal myself in such a way where you see my beauty, my kindness, where you see my goodness, my desire, my plans and purposes for your life. I want to reveal myself in such a way that the only response you can have is, take it all. I'm ready and waiting. The cost doesn't matter. I want to follow this cloud wherever it leads me. Revelation produces devotion. Can we stand and pray?